Well, congratulations, we made it to 2015. I am quite proud of myself getting there in one piece. I'm not sure about you. Um, those weeks before Christmas always, and then between Christmas and New Year, seem to just fly more than any other weeks in the whole year, which seems a bit unfair, considering they're basically the weeks that everybody gets off. Um, but we made it. So Happy New Year to you all. I hope that New Year was um, a joyful event for all of you. Um, Christmas is one of those funny times where it's busy and there's so much going on. There's lots of travel. We had an excellent travel story I was going to share with you. It's a bit disgusting, warning. Um, so we were going back up the M6 after, they're laughing already, um, after Christmas with some family. And we have a Labrador um, who had decided to eat another dog's poo bag and was sick in the car on the way up to M6. An excellent addition to my Christmas experience, I can tell you. Um, um, especially as it was basically on my lap, um, ideal. Um, so Christmas is a time for traveling, lots of going up and down, seeing family, of great food, of great friends, of buying and giving gifts, of receiving and then taking them back because they don't fit or because it's not the right color. Um, it's one of those crazy times of year. And as a church, over the last month or so, you have journeyed through the Christmas story, looking at different characters, and those characters that you know so well, the character of Mary and of her call to be Jesus's mother, the, character of, the characters of the shepherds on that hillside all those years ago, and of the wise men, and those characters that maybe we know slightly less about, the character of Elizabeth and of Zechariah, and of Joseph as well, and as a church, you celebrated Christmas in different ways. The carol service a couple of weeks ago, the midnight mass, a beautiful, beautiful time of stillness and waiting. Then Christmas Day with all those young children in their presence, a great time of excitement. And then the Christingle service where I was gutted not to see Gemma in a Christingle this year, but the Christmas Christingle quiz was excellent. Don't worry, Gemma. Um, and then the alternative carols where we could join together as a family and see each other and share that time of fellowship, a really beautiful, beautiful evening. And I feel like this place has been filled over the last couple of weeks with many beautiful moments. In this beautiful building, with all of you beautiful people. And I hope that your Christmas experience was one filled with moments like these, beautiful moments with the beautiful people in your life, in beautiful places. And I hope that in those moments that you were able to remember this nativity scene that we see, the truth that Jesus came into this world as a child to save the world, God's chosen son, to come in human form to get to know us so that we could get to know him. But this evening, we are looking at a less beautiful side of Christmas. We are looking at a side that sometimes is a bit like turkey left over after Christmas Day. A bit like those slightly dodgy dishes that happen the day after Christmas. Those turkey carcasses that get left outside those things that we don't really want to associate or think about at Christmas time. Maybe the darker side to Christmas. Maybe a more real side to Christmas. Something behind those beautiful nativity scenes and lovely, gorgeous trees and windows. A slightly darker side to Christmas. 
And so we're looking at that passage that Tony read for us in Matthew's Gospel, the passage of Herod killing those innocent children all those years ago. I hope that this evening what we can do is acknowledge the darkness, acknowledge its presence all those years ago at that first Christmas, and acknowledge its presence in the Christmases that we experience and that we have seen in our world today. And then hopefully what we can do is understand more deeply and see more clearly who Jesus is in light of the darkness. And that might enable us to respond in this new year. And so the place to start, I think, with this passage is with Herod. Herod was a man, a king, the king of Judea, the king of the Jews, and he was obsessed with control, obsessed with keeping power, of controlling the people in his kingdom, the way things worked, and controlling his throne. And this control led him to do awful, awful, violent, brutal things. He killed people around him, his family, his wives, and his sons, in order to protect the throne that he had. He was obsessed with control. I think we see um, many leaders like this throughout the world. And I think we maybe know or know people that like, like, like control, like to keep things as they are, to make sure they're in power, and that power is stable and steady. I think Herod's control comes from a place of insecurity, a deep sense of uncertainty that Herod had in his own life, an insecurity that meant he was constantly looking over his shoulder to see who was coming up behind him to stab him in the back. This insecurity was because of changing alliances or changing sides not really knowing where his authority was coming from. And so that insecurity was what led to that desire to have control. And so when the Magi came to see him and told him about this king of the Jews, we were talking about it the other day, and we, we came to the conclusion that, yes, it was pretty valid that he felt insecure. Somebody was born that had his own title, I think if I was king of the Jews, not that I ever would be, but if I was, I think that would make me feel insecure. It said, Matthew says that Herod felt disturbed. Somebody was born that was potentially a threat to his throne. And in his eyes, he needed to control that. And so he did what he knew best to do, an act of brutality and an act of violence. Sometimes it's easier to omit this story from the Christmas one. I think I would quite like to think that it wasn't actually part of the first Christmas. Although I'm very pleased that our five-year-olds don't reenact this story every year, it is still part of the Christmas story. It's right there with the wise men, and so it is part of the first Christmas. This act of brutality that took lives away before they had even begun. This act of brutality that meant those boys would never go to school. They would never grow old. They would never have children or families of their own. This act of brutality 
was part of the Christmas story. There was a shadow, a darkness, if you like, over that first Christmas. On the 16th of December in 2014, some Taliban gunmen went into a school in Peshawar and killed 141 people. And 132 of those people were children. Lives that had not been lived. Those children that will never finish school, that will never go to university or get jobs or have children, lives that were taken away prematurely, a brutal act of violence, and in many ways, an act because of the lack of control, an act because of insecurity and the desire to be in control, and an act that darkened and shadowed Christmas for this part of the world. There was a darkness at that first Christmas in Bethlehem. And there is a darkness over Pakistan at this time of year. Those verses, it's verse 18 from this passage says, a voice is heard in Ramah weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. I thought this picture and those words were almost scarily similar. Those mothers mourning and weeping because their children are no more. There was a darkness over Peshawar this Christmas. Maybe in your life there hasn't been a trauma like we saw in Bethlehem and like we saw in Pakistan. Or maybe there hasn't been a trauma like we've seen in Indonesia or in Syria or in Iraq. But there may still be shadows and there may still be darkness. Christmas, I think, is a time that is difficult. It's a time where we remember those that we've lost and where that loss is felt more deeply. Maybe you have lost someone that you love. Maybe you are struggling with an illness or someone that you love is struggling with an illness that will not go away. Maybe you are scared about what 2015 might bring. Maybe a job, or a lack of a job, or a house, or a lack of a house. Maybe you're just alone and feel isolated. Christmas, I think, is a time where we feel these things more deeply. For my family this year, we experienced this. In September, my granddad died. Um, his name was Pudi, and he was an excellent character, um, a great, great man. And I think this Christmas, we felt the gap. We felt that big loss in our lives. And our Christmas was shadowed by that, by that sense of loss, by that pain and by that grief. So at that first Christmas, there was darkness because of what Herod committed in Bethlehem. In Peshawar this Christmas, there was darkness because of what the Taliban committed there. And maybe in your life, this Christmas has been a little bit dark, a little bit tricky. 
not quite like those beautiful nativity scenes that we see in people's windows or wonderfully decorated Christmas trees in the living rooms of our friends. But it is into this darkness that Jesus came. It is into this darkness that the light of the world arrived. God sent his son into the world, knowing full well the world that he was sending his son into. He sent his son to bring light in the darkness, to give hope to those who are hopeless, to bring peace to those who are troubled or tormented, and to bring joy to those who are in despair. This is the light of the world that came at Christmas. And I think as we approach 2015, as we're in 2015 and look forward to this next year, we have an opportunity to respond to that light. I think there are maybe two responses. There's probably many of responses, but two that I thought I'd talk about. The first is a response like Herod's. Bear with me, because I'm not talking about mass murder, don't worry. Although you never know who you sit next to at P's and G's. Um, um, anyway, um, <laughs> thanks, Joss. Um, so, um, yes, anyway, a response like Herod's. So Herod came from a place of insecurity. That's where this act of brutality and violence came from. And from that insecurity came a desire to keep control, to hold on to the power that he had. I know in my life, there are things that I feel insecure about. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or in the future, what job I'm going to have or where I'm going to end up. I feel insecure about things. And as a result of that insecurity, quite often I try and take control. I'm an epic planner. I make 10-year life plans. That's what I do. And when I make those plans, I leave very little space for Jesus. I leave very little space for God. So as a result of that insecurity and that desire to hold on, that desire to keep control of my life, I give no control to God and do everything in my power to make sure he has nothing to do with it, which I think is very similar or more similar than we may think to how Herod responded to Jesus at that first Christmas. The second response is slightly more positive and maybe slightly more familiar. Those characters that we know in the Christmas story, the character of Mary saying, yes, Lord, I will be your servant. The character of the shepherds leaving their flocks on the hillside to face the darkness alone and to run down and see Jesus in the manger. Those characters responded with obedience. They responded with faith, not knowing where the path would take them, but knowing that it would be okay because God was with them. Acting in obedience and faith. And we can do that today because we know that God will be with us and that although the darkness may still be around, there may still be tricky times and tricky situations that we face in our lives, times that are shadowed or times that are difficult and painful. 
We know that the light of the world is stronger. There's a verse in John's Gospel in the first chapter, chapter 1, verse 5, which says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Because the great bit about this story is that Jesus didn't die. That the darkness of that first Christmas did not extinguish the light of the world. Herod's attempted killing of Jesus as a child did not kill Jesus as a child. The light of the world overcame the darkness in that first Christmas. And the light of the world overcame the darkness at the first Easter. There was darkness when Jesus died, but that darkness did not overcome Jesus, and Jesus rose again, the light of the world. So no matter what darkness you face in your life, no matter what darkness this world faces, we can know that the light will never be extinguished by it. So we have a choice to respond as Herod responded, to keep hold of control from a place of insecurity and to reject Jesus from our life, or to say okay, to accept Jesus in a walk of obedience and faith with him, and to know that no matter what darkness you face in your life, the light of the world will never and can never be extinguished by it.